You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone, and welcome to Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number one hundred and ninety-three. We're discussing new Marvel film announcements and our top ten comic movies from the two thousands. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy, and I'm Sanjay. He's back finally again. back. <laughs> back again. Here I am. Woo woo. Top knot and all, Sanjay is back on the pod. It's been what three weeks, two weeks since we've heard. That beautiful intro. Welcome back to the podcast, man. Looking forward to getting in to some discussion on Marvel films. We got to some DC casting from the Batman again. We've got to revisit this Joker box office and box office from October because it's been quite an interesting ride. We updated last week, but it's made another huge leap. It's probably going to enter that billion-dollar club. And we're also going to count down our top 10 comic book movies from the 2000s, so that first decade of the modern era, as we call it, of comic book movie film. This will be building in towards our eventual top 10 comic book movies from this past decade as we exit with Joker into a new decade, a third decade of modern comic book film with 2020 on the horizon here and a ton of comic book movies to come. So we're going to be counting those down, give you guys some insight into what we think is the best from this first real 10 years where comic book movies really kicked off with x-men in the year 2000 so at the end of the episode we're gonna run through all of that but gentlemen right off the top here just before actually we get into our weeks in nerd i gotta just i gotta make sure you guys are doing okay because i gotta do a little giveaway here a little giveaway Ooh, you guys okay with giveaway. that yeah absolutely so what do i win what do you win? This is something that you can't enter for, Sanjay, as much oh. as I know you likely want this. But, you guys, so, just quick house cleaning at the top here before we get into our weekend order. This is an important little thing that we are supporting here in the Nerd Room. It's for our friend Rob Williams over at the Generation X-Wing podcast. He is part of the 501st. He, and if you've watched him in the past, listen to him, you know he chronicled his entry into the Outer Rim Garrison and he is doing a little charity work here. He's got these challenge coins, these beautiful coins, and we bought two of them here. We're keeping one here in the nerd room, and we've got one to give away. The thing that's special about these coins, not only are they thick, heavy, dense metal, they're beautifully done. They're a collector's item. They are limited quantity exclusives, if you want to call it that. You know how much we all love exclusives. You know how much we all love collecting. But this is also to help support the BC Children's Hospital Foundation by purchasing one of these. All the proceeds go to that. So all I want you guys to do is go visit our Instagram at the NerdRime. You can see a picture of the two. One, which will be going into one of your guys' collections here because we're going to give one away here in support of the BC Children's Hospital Foundation and in support of our good friend Rob Williams over at Generation X-Wing and the Outer Rim Rookie youtube show so guys all you have to do is like and retweet the twitter post for episode 193 that's the episode you're listening to right now and you will be entered to win we will mail this off to you as we draw next week from a random grouping of people that like and retweet this over on 
Twitter, even a like on Instagram, and we'll toss the into the pile as well. If you want more information on this, just follow Rob on Instagram at Gen X Wing. You can also find him on Facebook at Generation X Wing Podcast or The Outer Rim Rookie. Guys, this is a huge, very, very good cause, so make sure you get out and support that. He's a good friend of ours, and make sure you go listen to Generation X Wing. All right, guys. Wanted to talk about that just off the top there because I want to make sure I got that into your ear holes. But now I got to hear about your guys' weeks and nerds. Sanjay, it's been a couple Ooh. weeks since we talked to you. Yeah, I know, Troy, man. you've been yeah, out man. on the hunt. You've been grinding Always. away in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, we're going to throw the first one here to Sanjay. What have you yes. been up right. to, man? Where have you been? Uh, Sometimes you you spiritually yeah. disappear into You know, I, I'm like a ghost. I'm like a spirit. Um, well, honest with you, I was trying to keep this a secret. Um, but the reason why I haven't been in the podcast the last couple weeks is I was out uh, recording a Christmas album with Celine Dion. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, man, you can you can check that out. It's coming uh, Christmas time. Um, so me and Celine just went up to Montreal, yeah. recorded some tracks, uh, made our own Christmas carol. I, I, no, I don't. Boobly? Come on, what's the love for Buble, man? Uh, Michael Bubble, I, uh, the Buble burst. <laughs> so uh, so it's just me and Celine. But uh, no, uh, what have I been up to? You know, reading some comics, watching some movies. Halloween just came and went uh watched a ton of horror movies so i got caught up in that uh one movie i did see is the comic book movie that no one's really talking about of 2019 and that's hellboy um so i saw that uh i actually thought it was pretty good i enjoyed it it was darker than i was expecting it's rated r for violence there's some really scary scenes with like some demons walking the earth which are terrifying there's like this other scene where not to get in too much spoiler territory but it's, it's very graphic there's like this like spirit thing that's like eating children it's it's messed up but they show stuff it's like whoa they guys really went there uh so it's very dark so if you're into like the r-rated comic book movies like i am check it out um how's probably... the performance i liked it actually yeah. yes as, there's like one or two times when it was a little bit like hellboy said something that was just like the line was just didn't really fit with the movie but i actually thought that uh ron perlman did a really good job ron perlman's david harrer Oh yeah, well, was, was Ron Perlman's the original Hellboy, so that's why I got mixed up. Yeah, Stranger Things, he, David Harbour. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was good. He's good. Maybe He's I just watched good. the old Hellboy, and I was. Like, <laughs> Did, what do you even know what you watched? Yeah. <laughs> like, which which movie is this? No man, this one was good. Uh, not as good as the Guillermo del Toro one, but uh, I I dug it. Um, I don't know why this thing like people hated on it. I don't know, maybe because it was like really dark, but uh, I don't know, man. I dug it uh as well just reading some comics i caught up in uh batman i don't know if you troy if you caught the new batman annual that came out a couple weeks ago no but i am caught up with the bane stuff oh okay what, what, what issue we got with bane 80 82 came out today uh but this was i can't remember which annual it was but this was such a cool like so the issue was called like uh alfred's diary or something and he tells like little anecdotes or little stories about bruce wayne and batman like over the tale of like two weeks and there's this one that was super cool. It's like two or three pages, but it's this UFC fighter who's like the world champion. He's undefeated, and he challenges Batman to a match at the Octagon for charity. And Batman is always like, no, nah, man, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then the UFC fighter gets arrested for uh, domestic abuse to his girlfriend. And then Batman, like, and then he, and then the UFC fighter uh, goes free. And uh, Batman hears about it, and he's like, all right, now now we'll fight so it shows batman this ufc fighter going in the octagon toe-to-toe 
and it was cool, man. It was uh, it kind of reminded me a bit of like Muhammad Ali versus Superman, a little bit of that, like uh, you know, with the cover. It was, was cool. Was it an actual UFC fight? Well, I guess no, no, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, that was terrible PR for them, but yeah, uh, no, it was just a made-up UFC fighter. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was cool. Of course, the Batman one. Oh, okay, he's well, the Batman. I was just still, gonna get into that. Still, still has it in him, eh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was kind of cool to see Batman with like the cowl and like an octagon. So that was kind of cool. And there's some other like short tales in there. So give that a read. That was pretty cool. Uh, but besides me, you know, recording, reading, watching, doing all that good stuff, uh, Troy the boy. Yeah, man. What what have you been up to? I mean, I've been listening to you. I've been listening to the pod, kind of lurking as a as a fan these last two weeks, fangirling, fanboying <laughs> over <laughs> you guys' podcast. And Carlos. <laughs> Carlos, thanks for warming up the seat for me. You know, it's a little warm. That's okay. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for filling in for me. Uh, he did a bang up job, and uh, I gotta be careful. I gotta not miss anymore. Otherwise, you guys are gonna go with Carlos full time. It's gonna be like a Tom Brady situation. We just slowly phase you out. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> Never, Sanjay. You've always got a seat here in the pod, of course. <laughs> Troy, my man. Yes, sir. You had some of that legends luck. You're on the hunt for yeah. some black series. Yeah, man, dipping in all corners, man. Um, it's been great. It's been great. What can I say? I, I collected. Uh, I got my hands on Vision. Vision's a nice figure. Um, I haven't been able to compare them to the original release of the two pack, so I don't know which figure between the two is better. This one has a weird kind of like translucent to the character. That's, so that's what's different. I went on YouTube because yeah. I wanted that okay. exact answer, and okay. there's quite a few reviews on there that did show it's the exact same figure except for it's a non-translucent mold so it's a darker green you get and they've mm -hmm. kind of the hands and the i like the figure i think it's great mm -hmm. i ended up getting it too it gave me like i had serious plastic anxiety when you popped that up in the dms i found vision i was like oh my yeah. god troy like what did you just do to me <laughs> but he, he popped up uh yeah quite a bit of different places i guess right yeah. after shortly after so got vision uh man my main squeeze man i got that yavin four yellow jacket swag luke oh yes looking good uh, too bad there's a typo on the box. So uh, shout out to Darth Goody for pointing me out, pointing that out. But yeah, um, if you're really picky about the inbox stuff, I would maybe wait till they re-release this figure what with the correct say? spelling. It says like Luke. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like Luke Skywalker. Really? I don't know if they have K in there. It's, it's wow. bad. Oh, that could be a collector's yeah. thing, though. And then on the back of the box, they on the back of the box is a completely different typo. So wow. yeah, it's 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 not a good look, man. But um, oh, the, it's it's probably by far though the best looking Luke figure we've had. He, he looks dope. I might have to double up just to take him out of the box. So he's he's, he's pretty fresh. Ah, uh, shoot, what else did I get, man? Um, yeah. Oh, Dana, Jana, Jana, Jana? Or, no, Jana? Jana, the one from Rise of Skywalker, or the are you talking yeah, Rise about? Of Skywalker. Yeah, 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 Jana, yeah, yeah, Jana. I got my hands on her, so I found her and Luke at uh, Toys R Us, man. Big sales going on yes. for Toys R Us. Oh, so really? I'm holding it down. I think it's, I paid twenty three bucks for these figures, so oh, which is very yeah, reasonable. Twenty nine to twenty three. It was is a great deal, and then I uh, had to double up on a Ray. Uh, I need another Ray figure because I wanted to do that swap oh. head of the original, and and she turned out fantastic. So you know what? Actually, it was dope. I got like my three strong females. I got I got a bounty hunter. 
I got a Valkyrie, I got a Jedi. So I got I got Ray, I got obviously Valkyrie from Endgame. Uh, she looks oh, she looks good. Yes. And I also got my hands on uh, Cara Dune mm-hmm. by uh, Gina Carrara. I can't wait for that character. I want to see what she's gonna do on the Mandalorian, which comes out soon. So yeah, one week. It's been a it's, it's been a good week in collecting, man. And I got I got I got nowhere to put this thing, but I got kind of a, a fat Thor, you know, nice. growth oh, nice. or not. But uh, he's not complete yet because I still got to get uh, was who is it? Uh, Iron, Iron Patriot. Patriot. Yeah, has the heads. Yeah, has the oh, proper really? head. So um, yeah, man, it's been good. It's been really good. Loving this stuff. Yeah, man. Timbo, yeah. Timbo, what you got? It was a. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't as an intense weekend as the last couple have been. Didn't do any uh, comic fest or anything like that. Didn't do much on the uh, the big K hunt. But I I did manage to find some Marvel Legends at uh, my yeah. local shop. Just up the road here, Phoenix Comics, shout out. He uh, When he gets case packs, anything that's double pack, he usually puts one or two of them at 18 bucks for the, the Marvel mm. Legends. And I managed to get the Captain America Marvel Legends from the Bro Thor wave for $18, which uh, is fantastic. Yeah. He had the vision there as well for retail. So I picked that up. That, that kind of satisfied a bit of that itch that I had after seeing Troy have so much success earlier on the weekend. And then I was meandering my way through Toys R Us looking for some of those Black Series sales. And I stumbled across the Corvus Glade and Loki 2-pack, Target-exclusive 2-pack, Marvel Legends. I didn't think I'd ever get this without paying a, a pretty penny here. Now, it was 60 bucks Canadian, which is retail, right? That's, you know, mm-hmm. it's two figures there's only one in the store too which was weird to me they weren't oh. doubled up because if they're double up i may or if it was stacked pretty deep i may have you know maybe pass on it but this corvus mm-hmm. glade figure black order oh it is gorgeous so well detailed the cape it flows onto the ground the loki infinity war loki with the tesseract another fantastic figure so that those legends man like with between what you got and what i got we are supporting the mm. entire collecting community here and we're just you know, <laughs> running rampant it is it's been pretty wild in the legends end of things and then i did go to toys r us to take advantage of this black series sale the star wars sale 20 percent off of everything even legos mm-hmm. but I, I gotta have a little bit of a session here guys a little black series therapy session because i don't know what i want to do with my black series collection anymore i bought the ig11 now it's an exclusive to toys r us which i wasn't really aware of that's the ig11 from the mandalorian mm-hmm. and i got home after paying 29 bucks 20 percent discounted so retail i guess i got home and i compared it to the ig88 so the ig11 and ig88 they're literally the same figure with a slight repaint likely very similar to the archive line <laughs> This one is the IG-11. has got two bandoliers on it and less weapons. Same weapons as the IG-88, but there's just one less. There's like some cleaver in the IG-88. And the IG-11 doesn't have that. And it got me really thinking, what do I want to do with my Black Series? One of the things that I got my brain racked around is that with the Marvel Legends, they have a tendency to do, at least more recently, pretty heavy MCU waves. I've been able to Mm -hmm. divide up how I collect Marvel Legends, you know, comic versus MCU. So I've been able to save quite a bit of money there and for a bunch of figures that I have no desire in with the comic books, at least for collecting. And I love the MCU stuff. So I have a very clear divide as to what I'm collecting, what I'm not collecting. I'm able to take some time off because, you know, we've got some Legends wave, some Fantastic Four that look gorgeous that are coming up here, Spider-Man wave. So I'm going to take a breath for a couple months before the next big MCU wave hits. 
And so that helps with kind of the, the wallet, right? But when I'm looking at this IG-88, I'm going to have to really love this character, Taika Waititi's character here, to keep this. I keep saying, I don't know if I said IG-11 or 88, but I meant eight, 11. <laughs> um, because I'm finding myself, because, and Carlos put this, I think, the best when we were talking about it in the DM when I was having my first therapy session. <laughs> he kind of put it right where they did this like shotgun approach to Star Wars. We have prequel stuff, Mandalorian, video game, OT, all over the place, all mixed together. And I don't know if you guys, or if you, Troy in particular, and you guys listen to do collect box series, have a similar, I don't know, I'm getting this mental block where I maybe want to compartmentalize my black series and either just focus on OT and Saga stuff for now and leave the prequels. Not that I don't like the prequels, but it just, it might help me with my ability to at least go all in on something with the black series. Uh, be more of a completist on the OT or more completist on the Saga stuff or maybe Mandalorians where I, you know what I mean? So I, I need a little help here, Troy. Like what are, what are your thoughts here on the Black Series recently with the volume, with the, uh, and this is something we're complaining about not having volume. So I'm, I'm maybe a bit of a hypocrite, but I just want something to focus on. I feel like I'm unfocused in my Black Series and I'm not mm. having near the fun with Black Series that I am with Legends. I'm loving, loving every week going the hunt for Marvel Legends. <laughs> I'm just not finding that same spark with, with the Black Series. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, I don't know. I might be the worst person to ask. Yeah. <laughs> because for, for me, I'm probably having the most fun with, uh, well, just Hasbro in general this yeah. year. I think this year Hasbro has been awesome. I mean, from the Power Rangers to the Marvel Legends to the obviously the Black Series. And I feel... I mean, apart from the articulation when it comes to the Black Series, I feel like they've been awesome just because they've been giving us everything, like the prequels, the OT, and the sequel trilogy. So I feel like they've been giving us everything we need. But maybe for you, because you recently, or at least within the last year, you've been taking your MCU figures out yes. of the box, and you've been playing around with them, and you get to pose them up, so you probably really love it that, whereas your, your Black Series stuff, you keep them in box. So maybe that you're not, you're not getting the same play out of those yeah. figures as opposed you do with your um with your marvel legends i don't know if it's that but yeah man i don't know because i feel like yeah we've got the mandalorian stuff which is dope i i love the the archives because you know for the longest time that's what got me into black series is trying to get my hands on a on a on an anakin and yeah. you know people out there must want to get their yodas and their darth maul and they've given it to us so yeah i don't uh, i don't know the focus though i mean you're definitely you're a big Star Wars guy, obviously. Your OT stuff is 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 like your niche, so maybe you mm. want to do more OT, like get That's... that Christian Bale, you know, uh, X-wing fighter. Yeah, what? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. What are you, what are you thinking? I, I don't know. That that's where I'm struggling. Like my first instinct is to focus into OT, mm -hmm. um, but then I look at what was announced this past weekend, and we've yeah. got. It's like some like uh, Kit Fisto Kit was announced. Fisto, grabs, let's go. Oh, Kit man. Fisto. Oh. Wait, what? He's kind of like the squid head, um, yeah. big green. His name is Kid Fisto? Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto, yeah. K-I-T. Oh. Beautiful. Kid. Oh, Kit Fisto. Oh. Beautiful figure. Fisto. And we've got uh, oh. Count Dooku was announced as well. Yeah. And so it's like they're going deep in a prequel, love. And prequel stuff, man. But prequels has never been a focus collecting of mine, unless it was the three and three quarter inch. So right. I, I'm just looking for a focus, I guess. I found... And maybe it is the opening thing because that's one big thing that's changed in my collecting game in the last couple months especially is I've been opening lots of stuff and a lot of my Star Wars stuff is in bins because I have nowhere to put it right now Yeah. as opposed to most of my Marvel stuff is out and on display. 
Yeah. Uh, because I have the space, it displays well out of box. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'd like. I've looked at Darth, Darth Goody's uh, collection there a few times on some of his YouTube stuff. And yeah. it's beautiful. All his Black Series is out. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's by era. And maybe that's what I'm missing. I don't know. Maybe keeping exclusives in box or particular figure sets in box. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling here, guys, a little bit. I'd love for some input from, from you, the listeners, too, as to what you think maybe I should do with my collection. Because I'm also seriously considering opening, and I think I've made the decision, opening a lot of my Funko Pops, too. Getting the, oh, baseball, sure. getting the baseball bat cases from Michael's and putting them in there and having them displayed. Because I just, I don't know, This maybe that's it. I had a ton of fun with the three and three quarter inch opening them. The, the Funkos are next. The MCU stuff I open. Uh, maybe maybe that's it, guys. Maybe maybe I'm turning into an uh, you know out of box collector here. Yeah. And now maybe I'll never an open exclusives and stuff like that. <laughs> and even those first few runs of the orange card backs and the blue card backs, Ooh, I'll probably yeah. never open those. But it's something to seriously consider here for me. And I just I appreciate talking this out. You know, using the the podcast as <laughs> my own personal you know <laughs> therapeutic couch, if you will. <laughs> okay, we'll my turn next. Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of issues to work through, so just sit tight, guys. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do after Rise of the Skywalker, because I'm yes. even thinking myself, after Rise of Skywalker, maybe I'll just go straight prequels, because that's where I've had the most fun with Star Wars, yeah. so I don't know what's going on. But I, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do. I know we got a season two, obviously, of The Mandalorian. We'll get new characters, but um, yeah, man. I, 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 Hasbro's doing it, though. They're putting that work, so I really want to know what they're going to do with the next line of Star Wars. Yeah, we'll, well and that's it. Like the legends are unbelievable, and with the amount yeah. of movies, and we're going to talk about a few more movies a little later on the episode that are coming out. Yeah, that just means we're getting legends forever in the MCU. Like I have, and my my goal, my goal is to have the best and the biggest legends collection. <laughs> yeah, in Calgary, you know, like <laughs> I I want to have a good representation of everyone. And I'm going to get there eventually. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a bit of cash on yeah. some of the exclusives and that that I'm missing, but. They're filling out these lines just beautifully. And they're making it, again, they're accessible and they're affordable. Um, but Black Series has been the same, though. Accessible, same affordability level. Um, maybe a little expensive, but with these deals we got going on, 23 bucks for a Black Series. Um, I'm seriously contemplating taking my receipt in from Triple Force Rider and saying, like, can you match this price? <laughs> <laughs> well, the so, Black Series release dates have been really cool, too. Pretty on par with the States, yeah. more so than the Legends. Like, that Yellow Jacket Luke... It's crazy how fast we got that from yeah. not too long ago. We were just talking about the, the footage exactly. and the figure. It's crazy. So, and it's that yeah. was number 100 in the Black Series, too. 100, man. Ooh, That's really? not including exclusives, yeah. either. So there's over 100 Black Series figures released. And how yeah. many do you have? Both I, probably you guys. Have, I probably have about 65, maybe. Okay. And Troy? No idea, honestly. I got, <laughs> I got no idea. I'd have to sit down one day and, and count them out, man. Maybe more. I, I don't know. Yeah. But that's you guys are almost got the whole set. That's actually no. That's wrong because that's a hundred in the red card back. Yeah, because Ray was number one. Well, no, Finn's number one. Finn's number one. That's not including the orange card back or the blue card back. Yeah, Finn's number one, man. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. That, that's I just want to put that into the universe and see uh, what the world has to say about that. But let's mm-hmm. get into. Uh, I just want to touch here quickly. Before we get into the news, just on the box office again, I know we talked about Joker last week because of its just its astonishing success. And at that point, it was up around $850 million. Guys, we are closing in on a billion dollars with Ooh. Joker here. It is the seventh highest grossing film, both, both domestically 
and globally this year. The only thing in front of it is six Disney films that have all made over a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, and soon to have seven and eight with Frozen 2 and Rise of Skywalker, inevitably. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see how this story is unfolding here with the Joker at $936 million globally. Like, this is likely to do over a billion dollars, which is freaking insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at this budget, $55 million? No. <laughs> That's crazy. It's just like the amount of profit that this film is bringing in for WB. Like, it's yeah. probably more profitable than like Infinity War or Endgame at the end. Oh, of the yeah. Day. Like, it's probably one of the most profitable films of all time. Yeah, it's got to be up there. And I don't want to belabor this because we, you know, we've kind of talked this thing, but I just find it fascinating to watch this. You know, the, you know, Sanjay's looking at this and just getting a little bit, uh, a little bit of excitement there because it was the last pick in the <laughs> box office pool. Yeah, man, if I had known it was going to do this well, I wouldn't have waited to the last pick. Like, I was honestly debating between this and Terminator. No Ooh, way. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which. Because I had the last pick, right? So I was yeah. like, well, I have my pick of the litter. I was like, well, Terminator, Arnie's back. Lynn, you know, Linda Hamilton's back. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe Terminator. And then I, like, I was like kind of leaning. I was like, no, man, it's Joker. So at the last minute, I went Joker. But I was like, it was like a 60-40 split between this and Terminator up wow. until – up until that episode that we recorded. So, I mean, I can't even take credit for it. But And then you look at Terminator Dark Fate, and unfortunately that film Oof. is like the exact opposite of this, which Oof, apparently yeah. though I heard like good things. Like people have seen it, it is actually pretty good. So yeah. well, I just, I just maybe, I just, I don't know what it is. Like you look at some of these 80s franchises, they're all kind of dying out, like not connecting to the next generation. Like Alien, Predator, Predator Terminator, yeah. Robocop tried to reboot. Yeah. And then you Footloose. see something... Footloose, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you look That's at like, true? Terminator pulled in thirty million dollars this weekend, which is that, it is that is low. Like Joker made that on Friday, like one day. Yeah. <laughs> and like that Terminator, it was touted as the return of James Cameron to the franchise, and really the follow up to Judgment Day. Yeah, which is one of the more celebrated '80s, you know, sci-fi, whatever you want to yeah. call it, films, right? Because oh, yeah. Cameron produced this, right? But yes. it's Miller that uh, directed. Yeah, yeah, Deadpool director did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. has some chops. Like Deadpool one was fantastic. I don't know. It's oh, there's yeah. something about yeah. You're, you're you kind of hit the nail on the head there, right, Sanjay? There's something about the these reboots that aren't just aren't connecting with with this generation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because we're consuming stories in in a different way. But then you look at the success of Joker, and it's like, yeah, that's something totally different. Like that—that that could Great. have easily have been an '80s film. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the marketing or like the social media presence, because I didn't see anything on my timeline for Terminator. But no. like heading into Joker, it was just like Joker, Joker, Joker. You know, same with like Endgame and stuff. So, I don't know, man. Uh, I hope this isn't the end. Like, I hope we get more, but I doubt. Like, I think like this iteration is done. You know, we might have to wait 10, 20 years, and probably Arnold's. This is probably Arnold's last go as Terminator, like in the Terminator films. Quite possibly, we probably yeah. won't see this franchise for a long, long time. It's gonna get buried in some vault somewhere. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. it should have been buried after the last one. Genesis, 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 Genesis. 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 I actually- I actually dug Genesis. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, but they gave all the, the plot points away on a poster. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I read somewhere that the people who bought the Terminator rights only paid $20 million for it, which seems know. pretty crazy. I mean, now they, they lost millions, but uh, <laughs> you, you, I mean, like, do you tell me that? Like, shit, man, I could scrounge up $20 million somewhere and buy it. Maybe I'll buy it. Why don't you fund this podcast? 
<laughs> Too busy buying 80s franchises. That's yeah. right. Making Christmas music. Yes. Yeah, I, I bought Footloose. Me and Troy are going to remake Footloose. Reboot. Reboot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys. What we're, what we're going to touch on DC here, we're going to dip a bit into the Batman. Um, mm-hmm. as, as we go into the news here, look, this movie, we've talked about it almost every single week for the past month and a half because it seems that something exciting comes out of it every single week. And, again, this movie doesn't come out for another two years or so, but we've got two new casting announcements and one... I would say rumor is not even the word I would put to it. <laughs> you know, high speculation, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about some of the things that seem to be more or less confirmed. We have Andy Serkis, who is a, a contributor uh, alongside Matt Reeves from the Planet of the Apes franchise. And he is now apparently going to be playing Alfred in yeah. The Batman alongside Robert Pattinson, which is... It very interesting casting, but I see it. It works for me. I like. What do What are you thinking about this, Sanjay? Yeah, man, I totally dig it. It's going with like a younger Alfred. It's uh, I don't know if younger bad. is the right word, but well, he's younger than like. <laughs> it's not like he's uh, like twenty three. From like the Batman and Robin, you know, like the old guy, oh, go yeah. and uh, even Michael Caine. Yeah, like, sure. He, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, appearance wise, like I look at him more of that Ulysses Claw type look with the grayer hair. Mm. yeah um, you know i could see it yeah i have like a mustache or something and yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i really dug jeremy irons uh it's too bad he's not coming back uh, but we kind of already knew that so uh uh yeah no i'm totally on board for this let's see how it goes alfred he probably won't be that big of a part because he's busy directing venom 2 yes and starring in that so he's gonna have a busy year yeah yeah, yeah. he will what are you what are you thinking about this uh troy andy circus um Yes, Andy Serkis is fantastic. He's great. Throw him in any role, I'm I'm on board. But I mean, honestly, man, I see him more as a penguin than totally, than, um, totally. than Pennyworth, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so I, I can't wait to see what they're gonna do. The cast sounds awesome. What we got going on here with this project, but uh, it's a wait and see for me on this one. Uh, I wasn't the biggest um, Jeremy Irons guy. I love Jeremy Irons. But I wasn't the biggest on his Alfred. So my Alfred list has kind of just been going down and down, but <laughs> but like I said, Circus is dope, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does with this portrayal of Alfred. Yeah, well, they should a... bring back the guy from Joker. Who is that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy, uh, a chubby yeah. Alfred. Yeah, <laughs> he kind of looked like uh, what's his name, Ricky Gervais, a bit, a little bit. He did. <laughs> yeah, James Bond. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that about Alfred. Is my my question was it like do you lose, and maybe this is just because of the role that they needed him in that was relatively limited because as you mentioned sanjay is directing venom 2 there but do you lose someone that could bury themselves in a role like penguin that has that ability to transform himself into literally anything um cg or not he's a great voice actor too yeah Um, he's a great physical actor and so having him doing someone like alfred that might have you know, a few lines here, but doesn't really require him to do or go to the depths that he's gone to before with characters like Gollum or Caesar or even Ulysses Claw, who's a bit of a nutcase mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in Black Panther. There's maybe maybe something to be said that, you know, Andy Serkis not given the opportunity to really fall into a role and, and just lose him in that. Uh, maybe you're losing a bit of talent there, but also with Penguin, we've got now Colin Farrell, which mm-hmm. is something that I don't, 
I don't see. It's basically, I believe Carlos pulled it out and said there's a specific penguin that seemed to be chasing a more of a longer slender type of, of penguin, not the kind of Danny DeVito-esque penguin that I'm used to. Um, the guy from the original 66 as well kind of carried himself the same way. So yeah. another another interesting cast. Oh, yeah. Um, well, when they announced it, I was actually wanting him to be Constantine. Like if they ever did a Justice League Dark, bring oh, him in yeah. as Constantine. Oh, that's brilliant. As you know, as great as uh, what's his name, Keanu Reeves is. You know, Constantine's this British guy, and Keanu Reeves just didn't really fit the role for me. So uh, I thought, you know, Colin Farrell, he would have been perfect. But uh, as Penguin, uh, you know, this film is just like collecting a lot of great actors, and hopefully they have good chemistry and they work together. But on paper, you know, this looks like it's a fantastic cast. Like if you told me. You know, five six years ago, after Dark Knight Rises, be like, okay, this is the next Batman solo Batman film. We'll have these characters in it. I would have been like, yeah, let's do it. Um, hopefully, it's like I have full trust in Matt Reeves, but um, you know they got to handle this right because you know we've seen in the past with Batman too many villains, too many cooks in the kitchen. But I'm fully trusting Matt Reeves, and uh, you know this may come back to bite me. People might pull this audio up in like three years and be like, Oh, you, you said you yeah. trusted him. This movie was terrible, but I I'm totally pumped for this. I think this is going to be something completely different. And I think Batman, I'm super pumped. I can't wait to see this film. You know, it, yeah. it's funny you say that because I believe in the past, I don't know if it's Matt Reeves or the fact that they've taken their time with this very careful casting, but two years ago, if we had heard all this and maybe it's the actors that are driving us in this very positive light or the success that DC's had in the, in the last little bit with the likes of Joker and then going back to Wonder Woman and, and Aquaman, they're putting together some reasonable films here. But if this was two years ago, we would have been like, Oh my God, there's too many villains. This movie is going to be, you know, just, it's right. going to be cluster, you know, of, <laughs> of villains <laughs> and the story's going to be all over the place. But I'm with you though. I I'm, I'm really trusting in what they're doing here what they're mm-hmm. casting, uh, they're going a different direction with the Batman, it seems. It's going to be a very full film. Some of these may be glorified cameo roles for some of these villains and characters, you know, in Arkham or whatever. But I- I'm digging it. You know, I said that from the start of when we started talking about the casting. Even Robert Pattinson, there was a bit of a controversial cast at the time. I said, I'm in until I'm proven wrong on this one. And I, I maintain that with all the casting here. So yep. yeah, it's I don't know, Troy. You got any last comments here before we move on to some no, Marvel no, talk? again, just uh, you know, great on WB and Matt Reeves for recruiting talent. I mean, Colin Farrell was for me robbed of an Oscar nom for saving Mr. Banks. I thought he was incredible. Oh really? Film. Oh man, that guy's good. So oh, I, I can't wait to it. see the yeah. He's with uh, the saving Mr. B- yeah, saving Mr. Banks. With the Walt Disney story, Mary Poppins. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's great in that movie. So, yeah, I can't wait to see what he does in this film. It's a different take on the Penguin. But you know what? So was the the Gotham show. And I actually mm-hmm. kind of like that Penguin. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm on board with the casting for this one. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Oswald Cobblepots, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. All right, guys. Let's <laughs> let's move. <laughs> let's move on to <laughs> some Marvel news here. It's It's a pretty slim week for for news overall, but we haven't talked about the MCU or Marvel in a few weeks here because it's been very, very quiet. We speculated maybe because they're letting Star Wars and Lucasfilm have their time in the sun, but Feige and company don't like to leave us hanging too long without some MCU discussion here. 
And what we got over on their Instagram, the Marvel Studios Instagram, was an announcement from the main actors of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. They, you know, pleasantly announced that we are in production on that Disney Plus show that is due out next fall. I'm super pumped about this. You know, we've got Sharon Carter returning, Zemo, we've got US Agent. I'm glad that they started production on this. These guys have serious chemistry on the Instagram story that they put together announcing this. They had some fun with it. Uh, it's, I don't know, man. This is probably my, my one of my most look forward to uh, MCU show for sure, but more than most, one of the things I'm looking forward to most on Disney Plus is really kicking off into this this MCU and this, you know, continuing the Captain America story. I know it's Captain yeah. Dude, Steve mm-hmm. Rogers isn't in it, but this is a nice legacy that they're kind of bleeding into with Captain America, even in the absence of Chris Evans. So I'm I'm really really digging this. I'm excited to see maybe some set leaks. Maybe eventually we'll get a trailer for this by mid next year or something like that, um, as Comic Con rolls around potentially. So big things here as we're rolling into production. That means stuff's coming, guys. You know, in the next step, next step, teaser posters, all this. Ah, I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. Yeah, um, man. Is um, do we know the budget for this series? Much like the Mandalorian was a hundred mil, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know if this will be my pure pure speculation here, guys. Yeah, I wouldn't guess this needs a hundred million dollar budget, mm-hmm. but I'm still gonna guess it's probably pretty hefty. Especially uh, with Falcon flying around. I'm yeah, sure have to, have yeah, and they that. may they may yeah. save some of that, but you've got Winter Soldier's arm. Because the thing is, that's different about this than even <clears throat> some of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, I guess maybe it's similar, but we've seen what Falcon looks like on screen. We've seen what Winter Soldier looks like on screen with his arm, with the the flight suit, and all that. Mm-hmm. That has to translate well. Like they exactly. can't it can't take a step change and be different. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that that. Mm-hmm production value has to be maintained into these shows and you know i'm listening to actually bob Iger's book uh, that he put out and i just got through the marvel section the marvel purchase section and it's a fascinating book to listen to him go through everything uh from the disney from his perspective on disney but when he touches on marvel he talks about the some of the production budgets and maintaining that and why he swept kevin feige out of uh, from being underneath Marvel Entertainment directly, and how the and the effort that they're putting into this, and I have the full confidence based off this book that Iger is going to be putting everything into these shows, into this Disney Plus. Like they're betting huge on this, so mm-hmm. I don't think at least in these first couple years with the shows, I don't think they're going to be sparing any expense on this stuff. Like I think they got to put the effort into it, and which requires the money. Yeah, definitely does, especially you know, with the Mandalorian being the launch of this whole thing, and the production there looks fantastic. Everyone's raving about it, It looks like a movie that Marvel really can't. You know, it's going to be kind of in reverse. You know, Uh, when we talk about movies, it's Marvel that leads the way, Star Wars, you know, should pick from uh, from Marvel right here. We potentially could run the risk of you know, Mandalorian being so well received and awesome that Star Wars or that Marvel has to match the production of the Star Wars Mandalorian. So we'll see. Mm. I'm excited. I think the trailer, I think the trailer is going to really set Mm. the tone for me. That's what's really, I'm already excited, obviously, but I just, I need to see something, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, And then when it agreed, and then now sticking with the MCU to here, we've, we've got quite a few announcements of what's coming in phase four, including four films in 2021 and two films 
next year. And we're starting to get a real good picture as to what Phase 5 is going to look like. We saw at, I believe it was D23, they announced Black Panther 2 coming out May 6, 2022, with Ryan Coogler returning. And we have another director returning to a franchise to, to really fill out that trilogy. Hollywood Reporter did detail that Peyton Reed will direct Ant-Man 3. And he will be the second, after James Gunn completes Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the second director to direct an entire trilogy in a franchise for the MCU. So he's stuck around quite a bit. And I believe John Watts will likely have that same opportunity with Spider-Man now back in the MCU. So (laughs) Ant-Man 3 hitting that slot. We've got three slots in 2022, likely to take that July, end of July slot. And then we have one more film in February of that year. We still have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is a bit of a question mark when that's coming out. But the thing that this does is that we're going to have, you know, potentially, I guess, upwards of nine films over the next three years or so in the MCU. Wow. And none of those appear to be a an Avengers film. It's a lot of solo films, new franchise building, and it's funny, we had this discussion last week when we were talking about Star Wars, talking about the exit of Benioff and Weiss from the series that they're putting together or were putting together for Lucasfilm. And I made the statement that I'm okay with five years without a Star Wars film. I think maybe that franchise needs it. And then on the flip side, my other passion is the MCU. And we're getting, in 2021, four freaking films, and I'm all for it. <laughs> it's so crazy how these two franchises have just these two incredibly different trajectories over the last few years. And what that's resulted in is, you know, upwards of, you know, oh, not quite, but if you start throwing the Disney Plus stuff in there, we're going to have, you know, double digit films and TV shows that are being produced over the next couple of years. And Star Wars could go without a film on the big screen for at least three years, maybe longer. It's, yeah. it's crazy to contextualize that for me in my head that I'm okay with both of those scenarios. <laughs> One is a <laughs> to, huge to extreme. Me, the other is, you know, we're doing nothing. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like to me, Star Wars films are much like Avengers films. Yeah. Like they're events, right? You couldn't really have like solo proved. You couldn't really have a smaller like Ant-Man type film coming from Star Wars. I think you, know, you each... could. You think so? I think we just need to... And then I'll think a lot of this is going to end up on Disney Plus as Kenobi yeah. is because that was, you know, even you, McGregor, yeah, confirmed true. that that was originally going yeah. to be a film. I just think we have to adjust the expectations in Star Wars when it comes to smaller films. Like our, my, our expectations for Ant-Man 3 isn't that it's going to be a billion dollar film. You know, it's right. going to slot itself in that $500 million mark. And that's the expectation mm-hmm. set for it. And I've been saying this from the beginning with Solo. They had this expectation that because Rogue One made a billion dollars and the other two on either side of that made a billion dollars that this one was going to as well, that it was, like I said last week, bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And those expectations should have been reset and recalibrated to this making Ant-Man type of money. You know, Ant-Man doesn't make a ton of money. They're good films, but the expectation is never that it's a Black Panther, that it's an Avengers film, that it's a even a Thor or a Guardians film, right? It's, it's in its own bracket, but people seem to enjoy it because we're getting a third ant-man film right <laughs> well i think the difference is solo costs 300 million to make because they made it at twice. least <laughs> yeah <laughs> the film's so good they made it twice um whereas ant-man you know ant-man 3 will probably cost like what 125 it's like it'll probably cost the same as yeah 125 so 
you know, if Solo had cost 125 and they just made it once and then it made what it did, I think Disney would have been happy. It would have been like, yeah, no, this is great. We made a ton of money. But because, you know, the cost was so high, they needed a high return that they just didn't get. Yeah. So may- maybe they'll try again with releasing like smaller Star Wars films in theaters. I don't think so. Or maybe they'll just stick to uh, streaming. I think that's where, where it's at for, for Star Wars Go Forward is yeah. any smaller stories are on Disney Plus and they'll have to figure out something big event style. I agree with you. Event style filmmaking for the mm-hmm. big screen. Return in a big way. Go with that hiatus. Three years, four years, five years, whatever it is now uh, because it's not three years unless Ryan Johnson really steps up and into place here. So, Well, they were just afraid of going against Aquaman 2. Yep. In the theaters, so down. that's exactly yeah. So <laughs> you heard it here first. Star Wars blinked, whereas Aquaman is standing in that December twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two slot. Yeah, well, you're you're yeah. right, Sanjay. I think I uh, I made another bold statement that Aquaman would move, and uh, <laughs> here I am proven wrong again. <laughs> yeah, so your punishment, you have to eat one hundred fish sticks. Oof. <laughs> uh, not gonna happen <laughs> Troy any any lingering thoughts here for the MCU Ant-Man 3 um, are, you, are you digging uh, it well you know it's funny Ant-Man um, doesn't make the biggest amount of money when it comes to the MCU films it's, it's what is it? it's around the Doctor Strange numbers yeah, it's, you know, no, it's Doctor 200 Strange only had one 250 domestically which is still yeah you know very respectable. it's respectable obviously it's 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 fantastic but i think i mean obviously with the mcu they always like to cap off things with the trilogy but i think there's gonna be some importance to this film i think when you have Agreed. um the world of ant-man and the quantum realm and the sciences i feel like this is a film that's gonna set up stuff in the mcu i i think this is something kind of important i think this is gonna be a movie not to sleep on whether they're gonna introduce certain characters deal with time travel they're going to be in a world now where you can be studying the quantum realm like basically in the mm-hmm. mcu we're in a point now like the quantum realm is out there and you know you're going to be studying that you're going to try to figure out everything possible could we get the negative zone birthed out of the quantum realm possibly could we get some ff4 could, members there's a good chance of that man you know what i mean there's there's a lot we could really do so um Kevin Feige is the man. I think we're going to get some setup on this film. I think there's like a, there's always a reason to these movies, but I feel like there's a real good purpose for this one. You know, and it's yeah. funny you say that about setting something up. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I heard this or if it's in my head. And again, sorry to if there's anyone out there that um, actually came up with this theory. But like, what if in some fashion in Ant Man three they pull Fantastic Four out of the negative zone, like they've exactly. been stuck there since the eighties or something. Right, and yeah. they yank them out, and that's how you get them into modern day. I don't know. I agree with you that Ant Man has to do. I think similarly to Ragnarok in turning the franchise on its head a little bit, they yeah. probably mm-hmm. need to spend a good chunk of the movie in the quantum realm in yeah. some capacity. And you know, we've done the shrinking, big, you know, the you know, shrink big things and all this kind of stuff. Giant Man and all that. The kids. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's what I was looking for actually in my head. <laughs> uh, they've done that twice now. We've, we've seen it used in Civil War and Endgame yep. and all that. And they have to do something a little different with this. We can't be doing the same thing. I, you know, to be honest with you, I'd be even happy if it was called Wasp and Ant-Man. <laughs> oh, I hope they do that. And oh, like it's kind of a, just yeah. a great play on the trilogy, right? Like Ant-Man, yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Wasp and the Ant-Man. I think exactly. that'd be really cool. And refocusing maybe a bit on uh, Evangeline Lilly's character of Wasp. Um, yeah. Still love Paul Rudd. Don't want any less of him. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it might be a fun way to to play around with with that franchise. So I, I'm looking forward to it. But the thing that sticks out to me too is that you know we're gonna go quite a few years here, uh, quite a few films and TV shows without an Avengers, without a crossover film, um, yeah. any big crossover film. We're likely to see you know we got Doctor Strange when we know that we got Scarlet Witch dipping into there, but no event style of film yet. Which, uh, which is a bit curious to me. Maybe 2023, I don't know. Um, but, but we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm glad we're getting you know, a better picture at what Phase 5. It's incredible to think that we're already looking that far down the road with, with Marvel Studios and that. Mm. I, I'm just loving it. Thinking about the Legends. Woo-wee! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, can't wait for the new Doctor Strange stuff to come out. Oh, oh it's going to be fire. Yeah. It is going to ah. be straight fire. Now, last thing here with Marvel before we get into... A bit of a discussion of the top 10 comic book movie films of the 2000s is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. We all knew it was coming, guys. It was a runaway success of last year. Demonstrated that Sony can make and will indeed continue to make (laughs) solid Spider-Man films. Announced for April 8th, 2022. Quite a step out, actually. Um, Way further out than I was expecting this to come. But... I'm I'm I can't wait to see this again, Troy. I know you are on board. <laughs> oh yeah, all day, all day. No, I'm excited. Uh, it's kind of a bummer that we have so long to wait. Yeah. But I I love what Chris Lord and Phil was it Phil Lord and Miller uh, do over there. Those those <laughs> those guys are great. Um, get that get another Oscar going on. I just don't want to run the risk of that Lego movie fatigue. I mean, it took yeah. forever for us to get back to Lego Movie Two. And obviously the buzz was killed, but at the same time they kind of flooded the market with some, you know, filler movies. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the animation style too takes a lot of time to to produce. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool, man. I can't wait to see where we go. I mean, with the Spider Verse, there's so much opportunity. There's so many stories I've been told. I really want uh, Morlin in there. You know, the guys that feed on the Spider Men across the universes or the different verses. Um, definitely want more of that Miles and Peter chemistry going yeah. on, and and bring back uh, the Peter that died. Bring back. Um, uh, Wonder Woman's guy. What's his name? Oh, Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. Bring him yeah. back, man. I loved him as Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to yeah. see. I would love for them to put in like Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Oh, oh they Wires need to. Peter Parker. Yeah, they need yeah. to. Yeah. That'd be great. What it was? Yeah. yeah, it's funny. We had in one of our DMs there. What is it? Spider bitch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, Hawkeye and Peter Parker's daughters daughter in old man logan yeah it's kind of so weird guys getting busy with all sorts of people out there and uh yeah man that's uh peter parker's offspring yeah. granddaughter <laughs> yeah what yeah, i am so confused yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right sure yeah, she, I, she, owns, I, she owns the spider buggy too remember the, the little spider mobile that spider-man had back in the day yeah, yeah. that's what that's that's hers and so yeah nice. yeah old man logan man read that book it's great <laughs> yeah. i'd rather just watch the movie oh, oh come God. on sonny killing me small sonny oh. wow. <laughs> well we're not gonna be talking about logan in this next segment here guys as we kind of roll into a bit of our anchor segment for this and do some something a little different again no trailers slow week in nerd actually overall we are you know waiting patiently for mandalorian here disney plus i guess dropping in a week i we have no way to pay them all i want to do is give you my money disney come on tuesday right you give me the money uh tim and i'll make sure disney gets it (laughs) 
like I've thrown I've thrown a ton of money at them, and I'm gonna continue to do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I just want to give you that ninety bucks or whatever it costs me to get a full year subscription. I'm not going <laughs> monthly. I'm going yearly on this. She had a lifetime pass. Pay one grand, and you get it for the rest of your life. You know, one I probably grand. I don't know if I do the 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 whole Gino, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I just give me a, a, a way facilitate me giving my credit card number disney i just just take it it's it's all yours yeah. <laughs> um but let's talk about our top 10 comic book movies of the 2000s now the reason that we're starting here with the 2000s and we're debating whether to do this or just go straight in the decade that just passed us by which is absolutely insane to think about but we want to talk about modern the modern comic book movie and beginning with the year 2000, in my opinion, and we've expressed this here before, that's really the, the kickoff to the modern comic book movie with X-Men being the first out of the gate there. You know, Batman 89 and the films that followed on that did change the game a bit. It changed the tone, but really X-Men, I think you can credit, credit that film with ushering in this new era of comic book movie, which has now seen two decades of filmmaking, um, including some of the biggest films, the biggest film of all time, We've seen put-to-screen characters that we may not have ever expected if you go back to the, even the 90s that we would have seen something as wide and as expansive as we've seen in the past 20 years of filmmaking here. You know, everyone from Logan to Captain Marvel to Aquaman, Wonder Woman, it's been absolutely crazy, but it all did start somewhere, and it did start in the 2000s here with what we are seeing today. Like, we're calling it the modern. We're not... You know, throwing shade or anything at what preceded it, what really built the foundation with Batman 89 and Superman and all that. Those films were critical to the success of what we're seeing here. But the 2000s, when this thing really, really caught fire, we were getting a film, you know, once every couple of years. And then all of a sudden they started churning these things out, you know, once a year. And then we're getting into twice a year and we're seeing three, four movies a year as we get towards the end of the 2000s into now where we're getting four films from a studio in a year going to 2021 with the MCU here. But what we want to do is really just count down. No, not, not in a ton of detail. We're not going to go through a 20 minute description of each film as to why, where it is, <laughs> but we're just going to rank these off as we kick off into this podcast. So that we're going to carry through into our top 10 comic book movies of I guess the year 2010 and through 2019 with Joker really closing out the decade in comic book film. And as we're entering and ushering into what appears to be another era, another new era of comic book movie film, as we step into a revitalized DC Marvel studios is going in a different direction. We've got Spider-Man and Venom, that universe really picking up. So very interesting stuff and almost, you know, it's funny how these decades work as you see this massive transition because at the end of this decade, you've got the Dark Knight and you've got Iron Man, which were massive game changers as we moved in to what is, you know, as we rolled through this year, where we were capping it off with Endgame and Joker, two, again, major game changers as we close out another decade. But with all that being said, guys, let's, let's talk about some of these films. You know, some dominated the box office, some really garnished a lot of pulp, pop culture attention. Uh, but what caught your guys' attention? Starting with number 10 here, and everything from DC, non-DC, non-Marvel, Marvel, whatever, it's all fair game here, guys. Um, what was? Let's start with number 10. We'll kick it to you, Sanjay. We'll go Troy, and then we'll go me, and then we'll continue to wrap around here. But Sanjay, 
What is mm-hmm. your number 10? You know, we've got more than 10 films that were released between the year 2000 and 2009. What made the list here? Yeah, well, uh, before I get to the list, I was just going to say, like, this decade of superhero films, like, as you touched on, you know, it, it's a special time because, like, it's kind of the time when I started going to the theater, um, you know, by myself. I started working and uh, going to university. And uh, I don't know, man, like, this 2000s movies, yeah, they may not, like, uh, hold up. Like, you know, we've kind of moved past them, but there's still so many, like, good films in this decade that I think people are kind of forgetting. So I'm glad we're doing this to kind of remind people that uh, the 2000s, you know, had some good superhero films in it. So um, saying that, my number 10 list is, uh, my number 10 on the list is uh, Superman Returns, starring Brandon Ralph and uh directed by brian singer and um had kevin spacey as lex luther so uh this is a film that came out uh didn't really light the box office on fire as they had wanted to it's kind of like a sequel to superman 2 where it's ignoring superman 3 and 4 and just kind of you know picking off and they really wanted to start a new franchise and you know they really wanted this superman to mix with batman but it just didn't happen uh for me this film has you know some points when i i don't enjoy but it has so much that i do enjoy like there's a lot of highs in this film but there's also some lows so it's kind of an uneven film for me but man some of the stuff is great where they bring back marlon brando and uh, have him doing some voiceovers there's a scene with the airplane where superman saves like lois from it oh Oh, right i love that scene or like the scene when you know he's holding lois and you can hear like everyone crying out for him and you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this film. Like it's it's kind of like this weird forgotten Superman film now, where people it was just like the one-off. Like you know, Brandon Ralph only played Superman once until you know the Crisis crossover. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of dug this film. It's not my favorite Superman film, but I, I couldn't go a list of the top ten films and not include this one. Yeah, there you go. All right, Trevor. Before you kick off your list here with number ten, yeah. you got any any strong sentiments for this decade in in comic book movie film? Uh, you know, all I can say is I know I'm two years uh, late if I go here, but Blade, man, I got to give all the love to Blade because nice. Blade is the movie, 98 it came out, but that mm-hmm. to me really set the tone for comic book films. Not just comic book, it's the fact that nobody really knew who Blade was apart from like the Spider-Man cartoon. He's kind of like the Iron Man before the Iron Man where this CD lister hero gave you like that dark venom like movie or the joker or the deadpools is it all started with blade that guy was holding mm-hmm. it down so i gotta i gotta give love to wesley snipes that's that's my dude absolutely um, man yeah, and yeah. Uh, guillermo del toro even directed one of them so that's uh, right yeah blade is blade yeah. is one of my favorites man i love oh, it yeah. it's like a horror yeah yeah it's, it's really and, like and Steve, of... steven dwarf is it yeah 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 it's, it's oh, kind of like man. the only horror superhero film you know like truly horror yeah yeah, and yeah. it's a it's a trilogy that really finishes out here in the early part of the two thousands too, right? That's you know, with true. Yeah. Blade Two in two thousand two and uh, Blade Trinity in two thousand four. Yeah, right. that's uh, Ryan Reynolds' first attempt at a comic book movie before he found uh, Green Lantern, and then finally, thankfully, Deadpool. So well, second yeah, version, of second Deadpool. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, taking it back, uh, number ten. I'm gonna go with uh, Spider-Man Three. Um, oh wow! Not, uh, not not a very good Spider-Man film, but there are some good moments in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, Sandman, if he was a standalone yes. villain, I think would have been great. Uh, his whole um, rebirth 
into Sandman, that scene was fantastic how they did that from, you know, looking like a grain of sand into the man that we we known as Sandman. Um, really like what they did in that film. The costume was great. Uh, we finally got the black suit, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. We got Gwen Stacy live action for the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, is that about it for that film? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> all the good stuff I can really say. And I yeah. did like the tension between uh, Franco and Tony yeah. McGuire, you know, to see that go for full circle. Um, not a bad film, really. It's just, it's just they just missed it on Venom. Venom was really kind of unfortunate. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that really pulled that that film apart. But yeah, yeah, good. I didn't yeah. did not make neither of those actually made the cut <laughs> for me. Um, but my number ten here, believe it or not, Fantastic Four. Nice. The first one or the second one? The first one. Nice, <laughs> nice. Two thousand five. Yeah. You know, going back and revisiting it recently, actually, not not too long ago, the CGI does not hold up. No, um, especially with Mr. Fantastic, the, the, the stretch <laughs> stuff and the fingers and all that just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, but it's Marvel's first family. Um, we got Chris Evans in there. Yeah, it's uh, what's his name? Michael Chiklis as the thing. Yeah, um, even, oh, yeah that, he's great. even that thing costume looks pretty good. Yeah, uh, being yeah. mostly prosthetics, I think I don't think there's a ton of CGI on it, if any. It, it looks great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's you know overall, is it a fantastic uh, pun intended film? <laughs> no, but I, I do like what they did kind of just early on here. You know, this is this is the mid two thousands, and uh, it's not not something that's going to stand out, but it did set the set the precedence for the Fantastic Four in film, which was great. You know, coming from Fox here, this is something that is now in the hands of Kevin Feige, which I'm super excited about. But yeah, number ten for me, Fantastic Four. Nice. Good choice. I think those films are a little bit underrated. I know when they came out, people kind of panned them. But when you look back now, they're fun. And uh, I actually really like the second one. I mean, Galactus yeah. aside. Yeah. Silver Surfer's Silver good Surfer, in it. Yeah. He was really great. good. They have yeah. the wedding. Uh, Stan Lee cameo was great. and The Bachelor Party, though, good. really. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel and their dance scenes. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, man. They need to learn from Joker. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sonny, number nine. All right, number nine. So we did say comic book movie. So this isn't a superhero movie, but you know, if you go back to the pages of Archie Comics, you'll see one band, and it's Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> and I'm going with number nine. Okay, this film is hilarious. It's probably one of the funniest superhero films ever made, uh, and it's comic actually book. <laughs> comic book films ever made, and it's actually very clever. Like it dissects the whole music industry and um, celebrity in general. It's very aware of itself. This film is brilliant. Like, it's an amazing film. I don't think people give this film enough credit about how funny and how, you know, smart the satire of a film is. It's And the songs are catchy as all hell. And you got Tara Reid in it. Uh, you got the girl from She's All That. She's in it. And uh, Rosario Dawson, I think, is also in this. So this is, this is a fantastic, fantastic film. It's funny, Troy's. I can't tell if he's uh, laughing because he's shocked it's in there, or because his is also the same thing at number nine. <laughs> he agrees with me. He agrees no. with me. No, I definitely don't have that in there. That's that's like Gem and the Holograms, man. That's, oh that's no, crazy. This, is, this is way better than Gem and the Holograms. This is this is a fantastic. Uh, that's crazy. This is oh man. When's the last time you guys seen this? Go back and like watch because this is like hilariously mocking like the music industry and like the rise of boy bands and the rise of the commercialism of music. And this film like you know it wasn't a big hit when it came out, but I'm telling you this film holds up. Like it's it's way better today than it was when it came out. This is this is a fantastic film. Okay. I will stand by Josie and the Pussycats nice. till the day I die. 
and I don't know what always. I, I don't know what's yeah. fallen off your list <laughs> <laughs> that it, that is in place of Joseph and the Biscuit. But yeah, there you go. It's each their own. <laughs> yeah, but if you guys want to borrow it, let me know. I have a copy. So I'm sure you do. <laughs> right, number nine. Number nine, man. You know that retrospective series we have the MCU. We did a nice digestion of uh, what do you call it? Uh, of Incredible Hulk. So nice. Incredible Hulk lands on my number nine. I remember back in 2008 or nine was 2008. 2008? Yeah, when that came out after Iron Man, I really enjoyed that film. It's still my favorite uh, portrayal of Bruce Banner. I love mm-hmm. Edward Norton as Bruce. He his physicality of the character just matches spot on, and he's he's a fantastic actor. I love the look of that Hulk, especially in the the street scene when he fights Abomination at the end. Yeah, I Harlem. love how veiny and cut and massive he is and angry. That that's that's my Hulk, man. So I got to give it up for this. And I really like his first encounter with Abomination when it's Hulk against Abomination in his human form. Yeah. Right. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm really going off of my feelings of of my first watch as opposed to a retrospective. I was a little (laughs) different on it then. But um, going back to 2008, man, really dug this film. Yeah. I'm I'm going to really upset Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's, in his top five. Oh, he loves this film. Yeah. Underrated. Yeah. We're gonna have a sit down on that one. My Incredible Hulk just uh, is actually just spoiler alert. It's just at number eight for me, but <laughs> so it's down towards the end there. But not because yeah. it's a bad film, but you know we got some good films here in, in the two thousands. But number nine for me is X Men two thousand, the one that nice. kicked it all off. I remember seeing this in theaters. Uh, Logan Wolverine here to me is one of the standouts in this. Magneto E. McKellum. Poof. Yeah, it, it gave us. And really started us down this incredible path all the way to, to Logan with these characters. We've seen Hugh Jackman reprise that role for upwards of 20 years, 19, 18 years, however long it was. Absolutely incredible. You know, he's kind of the guy that really started off this legacy character building where you have the same actor returning and reprising that role beyond the trilogy, um, which is which is pretty cool. And that's something that we've seen really picked up by all the studios here now where you have and and maintaining that continuity through and really is x-men where a lot of it started with professor x and patrick stewart fantastic Mm -hmm. cast here the movie itself i would say if if i went and revisit this maybe a year or two ago it doesn't hold up as well as some of the other x-men stuff specifically x2 which only came out a few years after uh this one probably has the hardest time upholding with cgi and that even the story because it's not a story that pulls from any sort of particular source material. It's an original X-Men story. And maybe that hurts it a little bit. But all in all, seeing this crew, this ensemble on screen for the first time, oof, yeah, absolutely love it. So that's why it ranks in at my number nine. All right, Sonny. Nice. Sonny. Good choice. Um, yeah, this one, X-Men didn't make my list, but it probably is the most important film of the decade. Because if that thing didn't get made and make a ton of money then Spider-Man, then Batman, then Superman, all wouldn't have had films. So My, my, my one and two might argue about the most important film of the day. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say like they probably wouldn't have got made if it wasn't for this X-Men because the stink of Batman and Robin kind of soured the whole industry. I, I fully agree with you. That's why we always kick this 2000. That's the X-Men is what yeah. you know really got it going here. But oh, absolutely. Um, so my number eight is uh, Spider-Man by Sam Raimi. Tobey Maguire... Um, Green Goblin, played by William Defoe. Oh, man, this film, I remember. I still remember the day I saw this in theaters. Like I remember it vividly going with my mates and just checking it out. And then after this, I was already like a Spider-Man fan, but after this, I was like a huge Spider-Man fan where 
I was like, I kind of want to read the comics. I kind of want to know more about this character. And this was kind of like the first superhero film to do that for me. So number eight, Spider-Man. I still love this film. I mean, it's still, it is somewhat kind of like dated at this point. Like there's like Macy Gray singing mm. for like the World Day Parade or whatever it was. And, yeah. and you know, kids today may not be like, <laughs> oh, who's Macy Gray? Like, what is this? But uh, I don't know. I, I liked her back in the day and uh, <laughs> she's a good singer. Um and like William Defoe's costume and stuff, it looks a little Power Rangers esque at times. But man, this film has heart. Uh, James Franco, this was his first like breakout role. Uh, Kristen Dunst as Mary Jane Watson. To me, she's still my Mary Jane Watson. So um, yeah, I, I, I dig this film a ton. I dig this film a ton. It's man, and and soundtrack. Nickelback was singing on the soundtrack. And what what's not to love about this? This is like everything that's like great about the. T- thousands movies so spider-man is my number eight nice nice t yeah, what are you saying man. uh number eight is x-men for me nice. yeah to me my mutants or my x-men um yeah <laughs> no i i i liked x-men a lot this was this was pretty cool as a different take on the characters um it was the wolverine and the x-men basically throughout but it didn't bother me at the time <laughs> I love the introduction we have of, you know, Wolverine cage fighting and just being like that, um, that Raphael, you know, basically from the mm-hmm. turtles, just that independent, oh, totally. badass rebel guy. And I, I really, really like the character of the films and, um, like what Brian Singer did. I just remember the whole time going into the film and I was like, I can't believe like, you know, the characters aren't wearing like the blue spandex, the yellow spandex. Yeah. I was like, it's really hard for me to see past that. Cause up until that point, really, when you think about it, the comic book characters were always pretty comic book accurate, apart from like the Tim Burton stuff. But even mm-hmm. Robin looks like Robin, and Superman looked like Superman. The Phantom yeah. looked like Phantom, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So this is the first time they really took liberties with the costume mm-hmm. design, and they even translated into the comics because in the comics started giving them like the black costumes, right, and the jackets. Mm-hmm. So, well, in- X Men for me. Never really- yeah, well, that's crazy about X-Men, too, is that coming off the mid-90s with the comic book success and the animated series success, where those costumes were so iconic and recognizable yeah. that mm-hmm. you figure those are that's built in, you know, brand recognition for right. X-Men. And, yeah, that I agree with you. I'm looking for that. Where's that yellow spandex? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they even make fun of it, I think, too, right? Yeah, they did. And Rogue and Wolverine talk about the yellow spandex. 100%. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, what do you prefer, yellow spandex or something? No. Yeah. Nice yeah. guy. <laughs> we just did a little flip-flop here, Trick. My number eight, as I mentioned there, is Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Um, you can go back and you can go back and listen to our, our retrospective review on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's an important film for Marvel. Uh, maybe not mm. the most important film of the decade for them, but really it was, I wouldn't say a stumbling block for them, but it was a learning exercise for them as well. And it really gave us, you know, that first taste of the Hulk and helped integrate that character into the MCU, and it gave us that beautiful end credit scene with Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, which uh, yeah opened up our eyes to, to what was to come. Yep, nice, nice. So number Very seven, good. Sunny. All right, my number seven. We're going back to the X universe, and I'm going with X two. Mm. Uh, so to me, like X Men, the first one that was a good film, but this is just a notch above it. You know, what does Emerald say? Like, bam, we kick it up a notch. This is what he does with X-Men 2. Uh, you got Nightcrawler in here. I thought the opening scene was was superb. Extastic. It was I'm trying to add a pun with X Excellent in it, would be the word. Yeah, you're there you go. <laughs> um he's going to the White House and he like tries to kill the president. And, oh man. And then just to see like Nightcrawler, like you look at his makeup and how well it's done here. 
like Mystique as well. Mystique like looks way better in this film uh, than she does in uh, <laughs> X Men Dark Phoenix. That's right. Yeah. Twenty Very years much later, agrees with that. like what happened? Um, did she just like? I know she can shape shift into everything, but like, did she get lazy and she's just like, I'm just gonna not even try anymore? Uh, but this film, you know, Halle Berry's in it. Hugh Jackman gets more story, learn more of his backstory, mm-hmm. um, and it's like dark too, like the one mutant who like convinced his mother that like she was hearing voices. So she took like a drill in her head. Like they don't, they don't show it, but they talk about it. I'm like, man, that's dark. And like professor X is going to kill all the mutants with cerebral. Like man, this film is probably like one of the best X-Men films and definitely like top three, top four. Um, I love this film. It's man. This is such a good film. And if it's on cliffhanger and then X three, uh, doesn't get made how they originally had it ended to um, the director leaving to do Superman returns, you know, go back in time, you know, hopefully, man, it's just, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a good film. And I, uh, I uh, really dug it. So X two is my number seven. Nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto here, man. Number seven for me, it's X two. Uh, Sonny basically, you know, said it all. I echo your thoughts. Um, that opening scene, the White House, like, whoa, yeah, that was one best. of the baddest scenes for a while, right? That was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was so good. That was so cool to see Nightcrawler really just bump all over the place because you could only yes. imagine what that was like. We saw it in the cartoons, but seeing that live action and with his accent and he was such a character that you rooted for because he just had this kindness aura all over him, but you could see what was going on. And he's this dark looking figure. He was, he was cool. Uh, Wolverine again, shines big time in this film. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, a lot of fun with this one. This was, this was a good movie. And yeah, the way it ended with the cliffhanger and you could kind of see the Phoenix in the water. Yeah. 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 You know? So uh, yeah, man, really like this movie. Dug it a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we got to see a lot of cool powers with like Iceman because Iceman was finally in this one. We got Iceman, and we oh, got Pyro, yeah. Pyro, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, solid yeah. film, man. Definitely one of the best X films for sure. Mm-hmm. You will yeah. see X two show up on my uh, on my list here, but it's it's not for uh, a few numbers here. Yeah, my number seven though, Batman Begins. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, I know, I know. Some people have taken issue with my my opinion right now. <laughs> Batman Begins, and I'm willing to do. A rewatch and all that, but I think that yeah. uh, when I weigh it against the films that are sitting above it, uh, this is still a pretty good spot, I think, for Batman Begins. There's a lot of good merits to that film, for sure, and I'm sure we'll chronicle those one day. But uh, moving on, number six. <laughs> yeah. All right, my number six. Well, um, as, as shocked as I was that Batman Begins is number seven, you're gonna be shocked at my number six because uh, my number six is Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. What? Yeah, I know, I know. Um, no, no disrespect to this film. It just speaks to the quality of the five films above it for me. Um, Iron Man, this thing kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this movie bombs. We're not here. We're probably not even here at this podcast, to be honest with you. If this movie bombs, there's no Avengers Endgame. There's no nerd room. So uh, Thanks, Robert Downey Jr. and Marvel Studios. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, man, I love this film. It came out as total surprise. It was something completely different at the time. Like most of the superhero films we got were somewhat kind of grounded. Um, and then now you have Iron Man who's in this suit that's like flying around and it was, it was dark too. Like he's fighting terrorists. He's like blowing up stuff. And uh, I really dug this. This, this for me, I know there's been like what, 22 films that have come after this in the MCU, but I feel like we need to like every few years, Every MCU fan needs to rewatch Iron Man as like a pilgrimage 
to like what came after it just to like thank it because it's it's that important so yeah, uh number six that. is iron man nice interesting uh number six for me is spider-man one sam raimi um i mean sunny you said it that's what your number nine number uh, ten eight Number eight. Oh, it was okay, just bad. after Josie and the Pussycats. That's it was a tight right. race. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this movie was fantastic. It was so hard for me as a kid to wrap my brains around the fact that we'd get a live action Spider-Man that would be web swinging, and we we got it, man. And we got J. Jonah Jameson, who was oh, so brilliant, good. and they brought him back. And you know, the costume again, comic accurate, looking really good. A lot of people, that's their go-to costume of all time, is. Sam Raimi one. Um, New York City looked good. It was a character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Defoe's Norman Osborn was fantastic. Green Goblin was uh, whatever, but Norman <laughs> Osborn was fantastic. That Thanksgiving scene, you know, oh. when he's sharpening yeah. his knife and he's, you know, and Aunt May says, I can't know what she says, but I think eat your food, Norman, or something. But it was fantastic and how he just discovers who Peter is, you know, and. Peter figures out who Norman is, and it's kind of like cool because they do that in a way in Homecoming. How Peter and um, and um, Vulture kind of had the same kind of discovery. Yeah. Anyways, oh, yeah, yeah. Spider Man for parallel. me. Yeah, they kind of do that too, right? Yeah. So Spider Man One for me is 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 just a brilliant film. Loved it. Loved the video game too. But um, oh, that's so good. Did you ever get to play it as Green Goblin? I did when you got to fly around. Yeah, that was yeah, so cool. It was yeah. so much easier when you could just fly around on the glider. <laughs> and I think did they say like it was Green Goblin, but it was like Harry. Like it wasn't actually yeah. Norman. It was Harry. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the yeah he's like, I found my dad's stuff. Let's see what you can do. <laughs> Let's see what you can do. I don't hate you, Peter. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Right. It yeah. was super cool. I was like, man, why can't I just be Green Goblin? Like he's such a cool character. <laughs> and you know, and they had a great scene when he uh, chases the villain that killed Uncle Ben. I really like how mm-hmm. they pulled that off when he yeah, has like. That was... the- Costume yeah. on. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and we oh. had Macho Man. You got three that's minutes. Right. Macho yeah. Bone Saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so good. <laughs> uh, my number six, guys, is Watchmen. Oh, yeah. nice choice. Nice choice. Yeah, it's uh, it tumbles a bit here, which I'm sure I'm gonna get some feedback on that one. Um, <laughs> but it's a film I've only seen probably twice, and maybe deserves a, a rewatch here. This is a Snyder film too, correct? Mm-hmm. that's right yeah yeah it's beautifully shot beautifully um, shot it's a it's, film, a, it's so a gorgeous cool. film yeah and the the source material as far as i can tell is pretty well followed there's a tweaks at the end there which i think uh, do justice for the film adaptation um, mm-hmm. of Watchmen. there but yeah this was uh almost i would say a little ahead of its time almost um, absolutely a film like this and that's maybe why it's found itself almost this this kind of cult classic type of status as opposed to something that is revered a bit more. It's sometimes even forgotten, I would think, when looking at comic book films. Um, mm-hmm. There's a show that's out right now that's getting big praise. I know you're watching it, Troy. Um, yeah, first episode, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's where that lands for me. Number six, Watchmen, or Watchmen. Nice. Yeah. nice. Good pick, good pick. Uh, well, my number five is another Alan Moore adaptation, and this is uh, V for Vendetta. So, uh, Troy, I got to get you on this. I mean, last time I suggested Shazam, you weren't the biggest fan of it, but I think that you will enjoy this one more, Uh, a little bit more darker, has a little bit of political intrigue. Um, Basically, the story is that the UK is taken over, well, not taken over, but is, uh, yeah, I guess taken over um, by fascists. And 
Is it September or November? Because we are remember uh, November fifth. Yeah, we're yeah, one day so, out from that. <laughs> exactly as we record this. So yesterday was November the fifth, and uh, V it plays this character who's trying to liberate the UK. And uh, this film is very important film. Like it still like speaks to some of the uh, themes that we're dealing with today in today's society. Um, look no further than Hong Kong and uh, what's kind of going on there. Um, Natalie Portman brings in this. She she actually shaved her head uh, for this role. And as well, this film is a very important film because it had a very nice depict uh, had a very nice um, scene in it um, that totally like shocked audiences at the time and won an award um, from uh, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance for showing. Um, a lesbian relationship uh, in a positive light. And it's a beautiful scene. It'll bring you to tears. And uh, man, I, I really love this film. It, it's ahead of its time again. And it's still relevant 15 years later since it's been released. I don't know how long it's been released. I'll just say 15 years. But uh, this is this is a film that you kind of forget about just because superhero films have gotten so big and explosive and expansive. And, and you know, they all, I, I love them all. But this is a film that's kind of like, it's a little bit smaller um, it bombed at the box office because I think the marketing played it up as like this matrix type action film, which is really not. It's more of like a, is a mystery, like is a political film. So, uh, my number five is it is uh, V for Vendetta. I, I, man, I, I dig this film. I, it's been too long since I've seen this, like going through this list, everyone, I was like, man, I have to see this. I have to see this. Like, Okay, I'm gonna like make a day where I just like shut off the world and just watch all superhero films from the 2000s because this is like such a good decade. And I think um, the only, you know, I think like because this last decade had so many of them, we kind of like th- not think about this. So I'm glad we're doing this because there's so many films that I'm just like, man, this this film brought it. This film brought it. So uh, yeah, number five, V for Vendetta. Nice, nice man. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Uh, or read it first, I guess, actually. Yeah, that's what uh, that grabs it. So I've actually never read the graphic novel, um, but I, I went into this knowing nothing, just seeing the trailers, and I absolutely dug it. So um, you can read you can read the graphic novel if you haven't already, in, but you would still enjoy this. So if you nice. haven't, yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, well, uh, number five, I'm going with uh, Watchmen. Uh, what more can I say? Tim Tim covered that one. I, I love what they did with this, knowing nothing about the property at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic film. I loved the fighting. The cinematography was great. This and 300 really got me on Snyder to the oh, point yeah. where I even yeah. went out and watched uh, Sucker Punch and then oh. I fell off the wagon until Man <laughs> of Steel. But um, yeah, no, uh, Watchmen, man. Hands down, it was, it was fantastic. And this is one of the movies, first time watching a superhero film when I really got behind the villain a little bit here. And, and it, was, it was a cool little twist what went on. So uh, yeah, man, Watchmen, all day, 2009. Love that one. Yeah. Nice. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that about Senator. Those two films got, her the, got him the uh, visionary director status. Yeah, yes, from really, the visionary yeah. director of 300 and Watchmen comes <laughs> Sucker Punch. Yeah. You know, I, I I love like almost everything Snyder does, but for me, um, 300 was just a film that I, you know, I, I loved like the way it looked, but I just never really like got into that film. I don't know, maybe I need to rewatch it, but all his other stuff like Watchmen, Man of Steel, BBS, um, even Dawn of the Dead, I, I d- dig it all, but 300 was the film that I know it kind of like launched his career. But for me, it's like one of his weaker films for, for me. Oh, yeah. I, I remember enjoying it. It came out at the right time of my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number five is Spider-Man 1, Tobey Maguire. Oh. 
Uh, you guys have both already talked about this, so I'm not going to really belabor this one. But yeah, important film in the in the 2000s for really kicking off Marvel. Really, in you know we did have X Men over there, but this was the solo outing of a superhero, and it made money. It again was the film that proved that these are viable commercial projects. These things mm-hmm. can make money, and Spider-Man really demonstrated that. And this is when, I guess you talk about X-Men being the one that kicked off the modern era as far as content. Spider-Man really showed that, yeah, these things these things can make money, guys, and now they're the most bankable projects mm-hmm. maybe in the film industry. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, my number five Spider-Man. They're just, cool. they're just thrill rides, though, right? That's, you know, according to Scorsese. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theme parks. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's okay. I have a lot of fun in theme parks. <laughs> All right, Sonny, top four here. Let's count them All down. All right. Uh, my number four, staying with Sam Raimi, is Spider-Man 2. Um, this film, you know, upped the ante again um, from the first one. Better villain, in my opinion, with Doc Ock. Um, better music with uh, Dashboard Confessional Confessionals uh, Vindicated. Love that song. I still listen to that like at least once a week. I just totally dig that song. And uh, just the performance of Tobey Maguire and Mary Jane, like they're kind of like the love story kind of like grounds this film and makes it work. And the ending scene with Mary Jane set to marry someone else and then her just not going through with it and running through Central Park uh, into Peter's apartment, like a shoddy apartment apartment she's saying that she wants to like face these uh struggles with her and then at the you know and then at the end when she's like go get him tiger i was like oh that's so mary jane <laughs> and uh man this spider-man too like as i said like uh people always like crap on her like mary jane but to me like she was she was great like i always dug her they're always like oh she's always like yelling and i'm like yeah but man she's just like a regular citizen just getting thrown in these like crazy situations like if that was me i'd be yelling too like cut the girl some slack so um mary jane all day uh spider-man 2 all day uh that's my number four nice um what do i got here number four it's uh batman begins Nice. Love this film, man. Best origin superhero origin story in my opinion. I haven't seen a an origin film done better except for maybe one, which we'll see where that comes on my list. Um, yeah, no, Batman begins all day. Uh Christian Bill, I've said it before, he's not my favorite Bruce. He's not my favorite Batman, but in this performance, he he gives it his all. He he plays all dimensions, all layers of the character pretty well. Um the costume for me was my only throw or my only throwaway for this one. I wasn't the biggest fan of the costume, and I like how they kind of call that out in part two by <laughs> the flexibility of the cowl and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the origin story, man, him, you know, training with um, I was gonna say the quarter vowels, training with the, uh, <laughs> that'd be so uh, cool. <laughs> how do I forget the names? They're League um, of Shadows. The League of Shadows by Ra's yeah. al Ghul. This this made me like Ra's al Ghul as the character, and you know, really try and dig up some of the 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 content of the character going forward um the training sequences you know him welding the sword climbing that mountain you know we had the the scruff bruce wayne it was very much a bruce wayne film and i i really appreciated it um and dr strange kind of even takes a little bit of liberties from this film you can can kind of see so yeah shout out to uh batman begins christopher nolan man this guy is untouchable this is him you know coming off a memento obviously and really just taking the world by storm so uh, a lot goes into this film and changed the game, man. So uh, Batman Begins for me, number four. Awesome. My number four, 
Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Um, if I can take a parallel from what I said about Spider-Man 1, dem- demonstrating these things can be commercial products uh, or yeah. projects, Spider-Man 2 demonstrated that these things can be critical as well. Uh, very well-received film, uh, sometimes hailed as one of the best out there, especially for this era. I, it does it does a lot for me. Again, like you said, Sanjay, Doc Ock, it, it's, a, it's a great film. Um, not much more mm-hmm. can be said about it that hasn't already been said with regards to Spider-Man 2. But yeah, number four for me, Spider-Man 2. Okay, top three. All right. So in the bronze medal place, I have Batman Begins. Uh, you guys have already touched on it. Um, but I will say this is the film that I was very skeptical about going in because we'd never gotten like reboots or um, you know, reshoots or whatever it's called nowadays with uh, Batman. And so I was like, okay, well, Batman and Robin didn't work, but let's just make Batman five kind of like James Bond. And let's just like continue on the story. But uh, they brought in Christopher Nolan. They're like, no, we're going to do a fresh reboot. Um, And after the, you know, the film came out and I was just sat there and I was just like, wow, like they they did it. Like I, I, I'm an idiot. I thought this continue. No, they knew what they were doing. And Christopher Nolan was unknown director at the time. And Christian Bale had done a little bit, but he wasn't as known as he is now. And, uh, this film kind of got rid of the stink of Batman and Robin and audiences minds. And, uh, it didn't make a ton at the box office, but it made enough for them to make a little sequel. So, uh, maybe we'll see that film later on in the list. But, uh, for me, I don't know, never heard of it. Um, so for me, number three is, uh, Batman begins. Nice. Yes, sir. Uh, going in. Yeah. The final three, man, dark Knight. Yeah, just Dark Knight. <laughs> Dark Knight for me. <laughs> for uh, number three, takes the number three spot. Uh, you know, this probably would have been higher on my list if it focused a little bit more or if the main character shined more than the villain. But the Joker, man, the Joker yeah. nails this. It's the first time we could really sink our teeth into a villain outside of Vader um, going into the comic mm-hmm. world. Uh, Heath Ledger, what he did, you know, he caught a lot of flack going into this film, and he just tore it up. He, you know, he he let the haters know, like, yo, I got this. Oof, I got did this. he ever? He, did he ever, man? He yeah. got the Oscar and is well deserved. Um, I love the take they did on the character. I love the the uh, the bat bike that came out. Yeah, the bat bike was in mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, man. When he goes into it, was it China that he goes to? The, you know, all the dialogue going on between um, Joker, the opening sequence, you know, oh, played yeah. the whole crowd. Everybody's like, what is going on? And it was Joker the whole time. The mastermind, right? And uh, yeah, man. I mean, you guys are going to you're gonna kill it on this. I know it's on one of you guys' list, obviously, but <laughs> Dark Knight, man, for me, number three. Oh, yeah. so good. Oh, good. good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Number three for me, X2. Yeah. Um, like you said, one of the best opening films in comic book movie. It's, uh, yeah, I, I love what they did here. It changed the game for ensemble film and what they're able to do, giving people storylines that made sense, interweaving them within the film, and really giving the focus to, yeah, it's, it's on Logan, but there's a lot of characters in here that get a good amount of screen time. And that ensemble casting and that ensemble film direction was newer at that time you know you look at a lot of these films that we've got they're very singularly singular character focus where x-men you know really embrace what the x-men are and and that's a group of characters that work well together but you got the nice antagonism between scott and logan in this you like we said we've got you know storm in here and nightcrawler and then you got the brotherhood of uh 
the evil mutants really starting to form in here and magneto taking a presence so yeah x2 for me number mm. three okay man nice. top two top two all right so my number two is uh from the visionary director uh, Zack Snyder is a watchman. Uh, so I saw this on opening day, and um, to be honest with you, I didn't really grasp the um, the importance of this film, like or or the graphic novel. Like I had never even heard of these characters. I grew up on Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. So I see these characters in the trailer. I'm like, who is this? You know, Owl, and who is this Blue Dude? And like, what's going on? I've never seen this everywhere. Yeah, I was like, I had never even seen these characters before. It's actually like my wife is the one that kind of like saw the trailer and was like, hey, we should see The Watchmen. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess. Like, I don't know. I'm, maybe it'll be good. Uh, and I remember like the guy, there was like a guy dressed up as Rorschach and he had a sign that said the end is nigh, like in the theater. And I was just like, what? The end is nigh. Like what? This guy's weird. Like what's going on? Why is he doing this? And uh, then after I saw the film, I was just like, wow, this, this film was amazing. And I was like, you know, and then I got the Blu-ray and had the director's cuts at an extra half an hour. And of course thought, it is. I, like, I want more. <laughs> and then there's like the ultimate cut, which has like an extra half an hour on top of that. So the of film's like three and a half, four hours. So and then I got the ultimate, ultimate edition, which is a 12 hour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like Watchmen, this film, you said ahead of its time. Absolutely. This film bombed at the box office. I actually think the home video sales outdid its box office sales which just goes to show how like how you know this film sits in our conscious now because it's everyone has kind of seen it and i know the director of uh, dr strange scott derrickson this is one of his favorite films like he talks about on twitter how watchmen is a masterpiece nice. uh, and one of the best of all time and yeah man i'm right there with him watchmen is my yep. number two i feel that i feel i think it is a masterpiece man it's good yeah number two um iron man Going with Iron Man. Tony Stark, you built this suit out of a cave? Ah, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but you with know. With a what box I mean. of scraps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good, man. Um, I always go back to Comic Con, uh, debut trailer, you know, Hall mm-hmm. H, and you see Iron Man, you know, speeding away in the air, chasing after a missile. And I was blown away by the special effects back then, and I still am even to this day, because they still do hold up um, with, you know, some recent watching. Um, fantastic. Um, I was going to say Toby McGuire. Uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. kills it as Tony Stark in this film. He embodies it, and he brought the character and shined a light on it to a whole new audience out there who never even knew that there, there was a man that existed inside the Iron Man armor. At that time, people just thought he was just a robot. It was just is less than Robocop. And uh, they took it to another level, made this guy a household name. To the point where you know you can go out there and buy an Iron Man helmet for your your five year old, right? So, uh, Iron Man one changed the game, threw it upside down his head, and just ran with it um, all the way up till Endgame, man. So forever Iron Man one. And you're right, Sonny, it's definitely a movie that you should watch every every now and then going forward into the MCU. I really like that idea. So um, yeah, man, uh, Terrence Howard, you're missing out. You made a mistake. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. <laughs> made a big mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah shockingly enough for my number two is also iron man nice wow um, yeah it's uh troy you covered it all robert downey jr john favreau you know yeah. we're gonna see his his next directorial or at least uh producer capacity creative capacity put to screen here on disney plus with mandalorian this guy is is, is come a long long way um, he's always been producing good content, but this is really him kicking off that shared universe and that idea, that vision that they had. 
in there. It's uh, it's it's one of the best Iron Man still. And like I said, like we said before in retrospective, and like you just said, Troy, CGI holds up. It's mm-hmm. it, it's not like you go back and you kind of go, ooh, yeah, that's definitely was made in uh, 2008. No, you could say <laughs> that was made yesterday. Yeah, um, it's, oh, it's yeah. that good. Um, yeah, so agreed. Yeah, Iron Man two, or Iron Man one. Sorry, number two for me. Yes. <laughs> All right, Man number one. Number the one? number one. What is it? All right, my number one. Of course, what's it gonna be? It's the Dark Knight. Yeah. What else could it be? Um, this is a film should have been nominated for the Oscar for Best Picture, in my opinion. The fact that it didn't, it changed the Oscars and they upped it to ten uh, nominations after this film was snubbed. Um, you already touched on it, Troy. You know, this film upped the game from Batman Begins. We got a better villain. We got, you know, better fight scenes. It was, man, this film was, I just remember seeing it in like IMAX and then seeing it just sitting there and just like the opening scene was like the bank robbery. And I'm just like, what am I witnessing? Like just that opening scene, if that was a short film, that would be like one of the best superhero films of all time. And uh, this film like was crazy hit at the box office. Like it made a billion dollars and this is back in the day no 3d and like china wasn't the box office giant that it is now so it didn't make that much money there and like domestically this thing made over 500 million which is insane that like made a billion and half of it came from the u.s and canada so uh but what else can i say about the dark knight that hasn't already been said um people say it's the greatest superhero film of all time even 11 years later um it, it's it's like the godfather of superhero films like it's probably one of if not the most important one of the if not the best and uh man i I dig this it's uh i love the bat suit they upped it from for the second one and uh you know and they threw in some twists and turns in there and man i dug it and you know you talk about terrence howard missing out katie holmes unfortunately you missed out on this to do barbershop so uh yeah you know we all have our stuff we'd like to take back in life so uh katie holmes you know, I'm sorry you missed out on this. Hopefully that barbershop check was huge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trey, Rob, take us through uh, oh, the finish line here with your number one. Oh, you already know what it is. Thwip, thwip, Spider-Man 2, holding it down. Um, I mean, I had this playing in the background of my wedding. This movie is everything to me. Um, Doc Ock, this made this guy, probably made him my favorite Spider-Man villain. Um, just seeing that there is good in the character and, you know, going later on to the comic books, they even adapted that a little bit to the point where we got a superior Spider-Man or a superior octopus, even now back to superior Spider-Man even. So, um, movie was fantastic. The action sequences were, they were brought up to a whole nother level, basically to the point where going forward with Spider-Man movies, you really always had to have a couple good action sequences. In this film, we had obviously him, you know, throwing down with, uh, octopus and the, the uh, the big clock tower. Uh, we had the train sequence, which is just iconic. And then yes. at the end, when he's fighting octopus, you know, there's very iconic scenes going on throughout the film. Sunny, you mentioned it with the score. It was fantastic. We got battle damage Spider-Man, which to me is also very oh, important, yeah. much like the the backpack. Seeing a superhero in ripped up costume is just so cool. And um, you know, Tom McGuire was all right, but it's just overall the story. It had all the story, the score. The action sequences, everything was on point. So Spider-Man 2, for me, did it all. And, uh, you know, much like the Dark Knight, it's up there. You know, it's for, I think the big three that it always goes down, it's the Avengers 1, Spider-Man 2, and it's the the Dark Knight. I think those are the, kind of like the staples. And one of the X-Men, X-Men 2, are like the staples for the best comic book movies of all time. Yeah. So the, the Spider-Man real, 2, man. Yeah, real pivot points, I think, a lot of them. Yeah. Are. 
Uh, yeah. Game changers is, is a good word to use for that as well. And mm-hmm. this next one, my number one, <laughs> The Dark Knight, game changer. Yeah. Between that yeah, and Iron absolutely. Man, and I agree with you, you know, my top four, Spider-Man 2, X2, Iron Man, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. those are the big game changers of this decade. This is what really yeah. led the way for what we see in the decade that we're going to cover here in a couple weeks. And The Dark Knight was, yeah, it went dark, it went gritty, it went real. And it changed the genre. It almost... Mm-hmm in itself created that that subgenre that we're seeing within the comic book movie world where comic book movies is now the overarching umbrella and buried within that are all the other subgenres of the film types and the dark knight was one of the ones that took these you look at iron man x2 spider-man 2 they all have that real comic book movie vibe and flavor to it where the dark knight was like this is different guys this is something that you know whether you want to call it a thriller or whatever this took this whole genre and you know, really skewed it off and started doing something different, and that's where a lot of praise comes in. And we, you guys, when we have talked, you know, uh, in detail about Joker and all that in the recent weeks, and how amazing Ledger is. I watch this film probably two, three times a year still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just pop it on Netflix. I had it. I probably watched it two weeks ago. Yep. Nice. Just having it on, and yeah, it's crazy. And one thing that I think is uh, maybe underserved when people talking about The Dark Knight and uh doesn't get enough credit is uh aaron eckhart as two-face yeah Harvey Dent. very well yeah um i think that is extremely well done um so yeah fantastic stuff the year 2000 to 2009 was quite an interesting time in comic book movie films it's when i really started paying attention to to the genre and it is really what kicks off what is you know that next decade and what is to be probably the most uh successful financially and i think even storytelling wise and character delivery wise uh decade uh, at least in this genre if not uh in, in film when it comes to if you can call these films if you can call these cinema whatever um <laughs> but it's uh it's crazy to look back at these and uh, like you said i think at the, at the the top end there sunjay is that it, a lot of these deserve a rewatch and i think i'm gonna do that and hopefully that sparks some interest for you guys too we'd love to hear what your top 10 films are of this decade, you can always hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. Just toss us your list. You know, I'm, I'm interested Absolutely. to see how different, especially the top end is with mm-hmm. some of these. You can always email us your opinions at the at gmail.com and make sure to go over to Instagram and follow us there. Uh, this is where uh, you can also uh, retweet and like um, both over on Instagram and then on Twitter to get yourself an Edirim Rookie Challenge coin from our man Rob Williams there over at Generation X-Wing Podcast and over on Instagram too. You can find all of our hunts. You know, we got some legends up there, Black Series, what we're doing here. Troy's doing some customs, so it is all up there. And uh, what else, guys? What else do we usually say here? Oh, yes. You can find everything we do over at the nerdroom.net as well as, as, well as StarsCommonwealth.com. We can find us on all the other Star Wars Commonwealth podcasts. And we always love to give a big shout-out to our man, Rob Wade, for endorsing this podcast over at Emotionally14.com. You can find everything that he does over there at Emotionally14.com, including the Crazy Train podcast and all the other endorsed podcasts. Gentlemen, it's been a big countdown week. You know, we got, we got big things next week. Mandalorian will be hitting the screens. Mm. We'll be talking about that the week after uh, next, once we've had a chance to digest a few of these episodes. I believe there's two yeah. next week. Uh, So fingers crossed that Disney lets us pay them for this. Uh, And we'll see you guys on the other side of that. So with all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. 
And I'm Sanjay. You may or may not see Sanjay next week. We don't know. He doesn't even know. Uh, but Who and... knows? Maybe I'll be here. Maybe you'll be there. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Maybe uh, Robert Pattinson's going to join. He could be guest host. We had some chatter the other day. So. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> never know, man. You All never right, know. All right, guys. Thank you again for, for tolerating us, for tolerating Sanjay. <laughs> be kind to one another, and thank you very, very much for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy and sanjay on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 and sanjabi for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net and don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on itunes podbean spotify or wherever you plug in be sure to head over to starwarscommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth podcast network including talk star wars tumbling saber generation x-wing road squadron podcast san diego sabers radio podcast retro inc and the sandcrawler podcast Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.